With catastrophe rotting its marrow, Supergirl exemplifies the wisdom in waiting to ensure a great female superhero movie. Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel will kick down very big doors. Supergirl knocks itself out by heedlessly running into one. Who said that? This is Nick Rogers of Sweet101.com. A festering dump of bad ideas, corny lines and Hollywood excess. Uh, Female superhero can't save this 80s clunker. A big fat what the F word. The tagline, her first great adventure, is wrong in at least three ways. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Christopher Null, filmcritic.com. See, that's why we pay film critics to be film critics. Yes, indeed. Roger Ebert, why even go to the trouble of making a movie that feels like it's laughing at itself? Agreed. This, This does have a great big why did they bother stamped all over it. Money. They're the Salkins. Did it make any? Probably not. Then why did they bother? <laughs> Jeff Andrew of Time Out said, most delightful of the super series. I, I imagine he was with a smoking jacket and a cigarello at the time. But it's good-natured disregard of narrative considerations. Pardon me, that sounds like sarcasm. <laughs> well, that's the, one of only two fresh reviews, Shaq. Right, I, I would take that as sarcastic, personally. <laughs> Clint Morris gave it a good review as well. Still something appealing about it in a it's so bad it's good, if you will. That could it could be the fittingly cast Helen Slater as Supergirl and her alter ego Linda Lee. You're just explaining the film. It could be the fun escapist fare of the film, such as this, or it could be the fact that it's t- and then it just stops. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait one minute. I mean, you can do the whole number, leap tall buildings in a single bound, and look right through things. Yes. Bend steel bars? Yes. Enjoy your prison, Supergirl. Forever and ever. <laughs> Power of Shadow! Destroy! Alexander Solkind presents the action-packed adventures of a dazzling new superhero, starring Peter O'Toole. I must be sent to the Phantom Zone. Faye Dunaway, Mia Farrow. Venus? When? Brenda Vaccaro, Mark McClure. That's Clark Kent's cousin. Hart Bachner. And introducing Helen Slater as Supergirl. Adventure runs in the family. Okay, 7%. 25 rotten, 2 fresh. Okay. So we just saw Supergirl, folks. We did. Um, Unclean. Yeah. um, I mean, where do we start? We saw it in preparation for the new TV series. Which I, I now really want to see because there are literally no circumstances under which it can be any worse than that. I mean, it could... Oh. It could be terrible and at the same time very, very popular, so everyone starts making all superhero things like that. That that way it could be worse. At least, at least this, terrible though it was, had no influence whatsoever, aside from negative influence, which is that they didn't make a Wonder Woman film for 36 years. Oh, that, that, 
I, I don't and I do not understand how anybody could watch that and think that the reason it's so bad is because the central character is female. Hollywood executives are stupid. The Selkins, the uh, the two producers of uh, this movie and uh, all the other Superman movies, are especially stupid and selfish and greedy. So yeah, um, let's explain the plot, shall we, to people so they don't have to actually see this film. Um, There's uh, a plot. Oh God! Argo City, a place which exists? Question mark somewhere. <laughs> Possibly the bottom of a lake on Earth. Um, uh, Supergirl lives. We know her name, Supergirl, because no one ever says it's Kara Zarel. In fact, I don't think anyone actually calls her by her full name, do they? Not her full name. She is referred to as Kara when she's, she's in Argo City, what? and she mentions later on that her father's name is Zarel. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she lives there. Peter O'Toole is like a an artist or something, and he gives her the town energy supply to play with. Like one would give a child a toy. And he goes, there you go, you might have some fun with that. Supergirl uses this, like, vibrating, twisting, you know, orange sex toy wand thing to make a dragonfly, which then flies out of their wafer-thin window, taking with it this power source. Can, can we just... Um, it's a nuclear reactor. And you is. gave it to someone with the mind of a child. Um, just referring to uh, Argo City for a moment, one thing that really confused me about this... Uh, one thing. Um, no, the, the one thing that really confused me is it's never made clear what, where, or how this place came about. Now, I assume... It's related to Krypton, sort that, of. But maybe. they never say that. They never use the word Krypton. They never speak of their homeworld being destroyed because part of my assumption was, okay, there's a small bit of Krypton that broke off with people on it and somehow they managed to have encased it in a protective bubble and put it somewhere safe. As I recall, Argo City was like part of the Krypton, Kryptonian Empire, if you will, but not actually part of the planet Krypton. Right, okay. So it didn't uh, fall apart when Krypton did? No, it wasn't actually on the planet. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I think Peter O'Toole says something on the lines of Jupiter is another... Oh, that's not my Peter O'Toole voice. Jupiter is another... He's got to be slightly Irish. Jupiter is another planet, but we exist in the space between spaces on another register. Oh, okay, that, that's fine. You know, regular blockbuster audiences are going to completely get that. You don't need to explain any more than that. And then... Supergirl, after this thing flies out the window, he goes, right, now you're all going to die. I must go to the Phantom Zone forever to be punished. I will live a miserable existence, but you, fortunately, will die quickly. Bye. <laughs> With no explanation of why or how that or what. happens! And, and, and Supergirl, like, sorry, Kara goes and, like, sits in an egg. There's, like, a coffee table. And then the coffee table transforms into a spaceship. I say spaceship, folks. You're going to have to use your imagination. Because, <laughs> I mean, even if you were watching it, you'd have to use your imagination to imagine that it was actually a spaceship and not a really flimsy egg thing. Mm. And then she flies out after this energy source that's gone flying off to go to question mark they don't allow her any motivation at this point though because i mean it, it, just a line just a goddamn line just a to say that she recognizes 
realizes that by virtue of letting this power source go, she has brought great catastrophe upon her people, and therefore, at great risk to herself, she is going to fly after it and get it. Why you let me play fill in these blanks yourself. You know, I have the mind of a child. She she just doesn't say anything. She just goes and gets in this little ship and it flies off. But it, but the way she's looking at everything with complete wonder and naivety suggests that she doesn't actually know what's going on. Now, the Phantom Zone is like a Kryptonian prison. It's another dimension where you go there and it's miserable, right? But people don't tend to die there. They just carry on existing. So Peter O'Toole goes there and he'll come back. We'll come back to meet him. Um and everyone else in Argo City has to stay there and die. Why not get everyone into the Phantom Zone? They'll have a miserable existence, but at some point, due to narrative contrivance, they're going to be let out. People get out of the Phantom Zone all the time and fight Superman. If you have access to it, use it. Use it as an escape hatch. Why would you not? It's mental. It's at, this, this film is so cretinous. And it actually doesn't start all that horribly. It's got these nice titles. Jerry Goldsmith's doing the score. You know, it's prestigious. It's sort of following on the heels of the original Superman. They didn't bother to get a, a director as good as Richard Donner or even a director as good as Richard Lester. And you know how much I hate Superman's two and three. So basically what you're saying is the titles are quite pretty and then it's all downhill from there. Basically, yes. Um, and yeah, so she, Kara, uh, while flying through space, like they've got this like sort of old, you know, like when they're in space and you get these sort of like liquids sort of splashing on the camera, kind of, you know, like 2001 ish, like they don't do that kind of, uh, effects anymore. And it's like, really, oh, is that what they would do? I thought they'd just put a camera in a lava lamp. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's, it's a cheap version of that, but like it's, it's, it's to illustrate, you know, um, like, you know, uh, in, in incredible travel. And it looks really good. But then they're superimposing this awful egg thing that's got Kara inside, which makes it all look rubbish. So they're actually ruining the only good shot of the movie. There's another good shot of the movie later on where Supergirl just sort of stands up and there's light by, like in front of her and you can just see her red cape and it's like really cool. And that's actually a really good shot. And then she just sticks her arm arms up and the music goes all twee. And it's like, no, you ruined it. You had it, but then you ruined it. You, you have and they zoom in so you can't see all of her. Yeah. Um, uh, just the, the ineptitude. The ineptitude with which this film is constructed. She, like, oh, God. Like, she, when she got on the coffee table, she was wearing white pajamas. When she gets out of the egg, she's fully dressed as Supergirl. I'll, I'll just let you folks think about that one carefully. Like, she doesn't get changed. She's wearing the full Supergirl regalia. And she just bursts out, flies out of the egg, out of a lake, and goes, ooh, I can fly, and sort of jumps and bounces. And they, they wanted her flight to be much more graceful, more like a dance. And I get that they were trying to do something with this. Sharon, could you describe the, the, basically all the air flight? Because they've, they've tried to make Supergirl a girly, girly girl superhero and not like a big masculine aggressive boy hero. They have a bit and it's really, really bad. <laughs> it's it really bad? bad because, it, right, okay. <sighs> First off, they, they seem to be going for some kind of purity metaphor, right? 
She finds a flower so, and uses her heat vision to make it open. Like she's got that level of fine control over it her. It would just—it would explode in her hand, and she'd then she would go she'd sad be going, because she killed the flower. And she'd be like blowing heat vision everywhere, going, "Oh, how do I stop this?" And it requires Superman to come along and go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa calm down, calm down, calm down." Yeah, you need to learn about Not this because he's a man. Because he's got twenty years of experience. He's been here for two decades longer than she has, and has you know understanding of stuff. And he's grown up with it and kind of, you know, has some comprehension of what he can do. But they, they've presented her as this kind of naive, sweet, uh, silky blonde hair that doesn't get full of pine needles when she wakes up in a park having Next fallen a asleep all night. Yeah, they've, they've gone, oh, what's, what's the best way that we can have a female hero? I know, fucking Snow White. That's all she is. That oh, is she all is Snow she White. is. She's she like, is totally this, Snow White. A happy little bluebird. Right, her villainess is a fucking evil dark witch that summons dragons. She is Snow White, okay? Um, but they... You can have purity in a heroine without making her... A, naive and unable to interact with the world I, I just head exploding well, no, um, she's, she's unable to interact with the world unless the narrative calls for her to make a shrewd decision and suddenly yes. she's like she's an expert or, infiltrator or suddenly have modern teenage girl dialogue that she didn't know yesterday the, the bit when like she goes to the school yeah, you know, I'm just going to jump forwards. She goes to the school. She meets the like the dean of the school, who starts immediately lecturing her on this, that, and the other. And she's in disguise at this point because, like, she's she's looked at another schoolgirl and m- just manages the molecules around her body to make herself be wearing a school uniform and have black hair. Oh, this is her secret identity, by the way. She stumbles across a girls' boarding school and magics herself into a new student at this boarding school. Now, just think carefully about that because it places her age rather succinctly yeah she's a schoolgirl, folks remember that one um anyway so she goes to the dean's office and the dean gets called away for a donut or something and then she immediately goes into his filing cabinet and goes using her super filing abilities and then when he comes back in she goes uh if you check your filing cabinet you'll see um there's a letter about me from my cousin clark kent and then he looks in there and is like oh yes yes there is and apparently she's so good at forging paperwork that he goes, yes, well, you know, we'll have to, you can be in our school and then when you transfer, blah, 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 blah. She's in the school. Okay, folks, don't, don't ask any questions. Bye. Right. This and is our... no further part in proceedings. This is our superheroine, folks. She uses her heat vision to open daisies, flies over mountain ranges to watch horses running past rivers and types really, really, really fast. She also wakes up with rabbits and uh, has perfect hair. Also, yeah, she also she lands in a city and is immediately set upon by two rapists. The, oh, yes. the moment she sets foot on land, she's like, "Oh, okay, right, I'm going to carry on." Oh, suddenly Max Headroom turns up and tries to rape her with his friend, who looks a bit like Stephen Root, and they're both like, "Yeah, whoa, would you come around here? Look at the back end of her." And it's like, "Wow!" And she's dressed like Superman, right? In okay. a skirt. In a skirt. And he's like, hey, 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 what you dressed as, little girlie? Superman is the most famous 
person in the world. Because this actually takes place, apparently, allegedly, in the same universe as Superman, in the same planet as Superman. Mm -hmm. Several years after Superman's been doing his thing, she even strokes a picture of Christopher Reeve as Superman. And I've got to ask at this stage, what was Christopher Reeve doing that was so important that he couldn't show up for this one? Not being anywhere near this movie, which was very sensible of him. He clearly hated three, and rightly so. It's a piece of shit. But then he came back for four... Like, three years after this. So, I mean, like, they can't be bothered to sow that sense of unified, like, like, like cinematic universe of Superman turning up in a Supergirl TV, sorry, show. I'm thinking that too. Which is quite <laughs> astounding, given that they go out of their way to have Lois Lane's little sister also be a student at this school. And, and Jimmy, Jimmy Ol- Olsen turn up randomly to, uh, I think, uh, Lucy, who is... Lois's little sister is meeting up with him because he's her boyfriend apparently do you remember Lois Lane she was like a lady of the 70s she was very sort of switched on and like you know she was a pro- she may as well have been a lady of the 80s she was like you know ahead of her time Margot Kidder's Lois that is mm. her little sister looks like a 32 year old woman with a cap on one side to make her look street and 80s and cool like hip hop but she talks like she's from the 50s so she's like oh I got a guy he is just so keen on me what's it like uh, he's he's just so stuck on me. Yeah, that's it. Uh, she uses Clark Kent phrases. So basically the, the plot that's happening around this is uh, that Kara is trying to track down this power source, which apparently came through a vortex and came to Earth. Yeah, that, uh, as soon as, like, like she's space travelling and there's this incredible sort of, like, um, the effects that I mentioned earlier, only they're sort of offset by her being in the frame as well. Um, not that she's not great to look at. It's the it's the, the it's it doesn't work to to have this creaky egg thing in there as well. It's supposed to be the most astonishing thing that we will never see the inside of a black hole or wherever the hell she's coming through from. Uh, but then it cuts straight to a dead tiger with soup on his head. Like that, the, the, this witch is having a picnic with <laughs> with Peter Cook. Um, Indeed, and she is a literal witch. This is this is somebody who um, apparently is a student of magic and was a fortune teller or something, and has now decided that she wants to take over the world. Played by Faye Dunaway, who does her level best to her credit to chew the scenery as much as is humanly possible, but they keep not giving her any scenery to chew. Yeah, she's um, kind of the female early 80s equivalent of Nick Nolte and Hulk. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- right, so, like, this nuclear reactor that I mentioned about falls in the soup. Mm. Yeah, that happens. So she's got it, and then that MacGuffin is the thing that Supergirl needs to get back. And let's not call her Kara, she's Supergirl. She but is. then she goes to a school, and we forget that it's a Supergirl movie for about fifty minutes. It's there like, is no Supergirl. It's American Enid Blyton, and then it's this unsavory attempt for the Faye Dunaway witch to roofie the pool boy. He's the gardener. Okay, gardener. He's this Guido who turns up, and his name's Ethan. Ethan. And I did not realise when he first turned up how important Ethan was going to be to the plot. He is more of a MacGuffin than this nuclear reactor. Well, when he first turns up, he's like, he's the Diet Coke guy. He's chopping a branch off a tree with his shirt off. 
Yeah. He's there solely to ogle. But he's there. He's such a nothing that I didn't realise how important he was going to oh, be. Oh, totally so, underestimate right. Ethan. Such a nothing. I, I think in the entirety of the film, if you add it all together, Ethan spends about 10 minutes conscious. And look, let's go back. Hang on, because I was talking about Max Headroom, the rapist. Oh, yes. Sorry. Sorry, we're slapdash here. Okay, so Superman exists, right? She says, go away from me, you two rapists. And then when Max Headroom won't stop, she grabs him by the face and flings him into a wall and then uses heat vision for something, for some reason. She and the- heats, one of them pulls a knife yeah, and she and uses she her heat it. vision to heat it up so that he drops it. Right, okay. So she has already exhibited, she's wearing a Supergirl costume, which is exactly the same as a Superman costume. She has now exhibited super strength and heat vision and the second rapist keeps on coming. Uh, j- just no, just no. Th- th- there, there is that. That makes no sense. No, it doesn't. It, I, I think at one point, sentence makes sense. I think he actually says, "Oh, she works out, huh? Like I like a feisty." Excuse I don't, me. Girls ever worked out to the point where she could burn things with her eyes? <laughs> oh, if only fitness classes would be full. Now this I like. Hello. Hello, she says. Well, hello to you, honey bun. Hello. I was wondering if you could tell me where I am. Well, they call this place Eddie. Lover's Lane, isn't it? You got it in one, Billy Boy. Lover's Lane. Oh, no. You see, what I meant was, is, well, those lights over there, what are they called? Check out the view from back here, Eduardo. Stop that. You're, uh, Superman's best friend, huh? No. His cousin. I've come here to search for the Omega Hedron. It's a power source vital to Argo City. You see, that's where I live. No kidding. Eddie and me, uh, we're on a secret mission also. We're out looking for a good time. And you just won the brass ring, baby. Why are you doing this? It's just the way we are. You shouldn't have done that, baby. Yeah, this whole scene has kind of the stink of a 1984 sucker punch about it. You know, it's like, all you know, these vile male rapists turn up and they're all vile and male and rapey and, you know, and she slaps them silly and really, in all honesty, with her brand new powers, she could and should have killed them in one flick each. But she's still dressed in a sailor girl suit and, you know, this is feminist. It's, it's, 
Really not. I don't know if we're ever going to review Sucker Punch. Uh, ultimately, Sucker Punch done right is Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, but uh, We Hate Movies did the Sucker Punch Man Terry, or Bob Chipman talked extremely positively about Sucker Punch. So. Oh, I forgot about The Witch Turns a Party Guest Upside Down So Everyone Can See Her Pants. Yes, Sandra Dickinson. Yeah, good for her. Um, and yeah, then Supergirl changes her molecules. We've done that. And uh, then meets. She, then she goes to school. And I, I put this down as the life and times of a teenage girl as written by a senile old man. Or at least someone who has no comprehension of what a girl is. It's a Bunty comic. It is a Bunty comic. Except that somebody says shit. And drugs. And they mention drugs later on because they're trying to make it seem edgy, you see. I don't know why. See, I I looked up Supergirl and immediately got a rant about the uh, TV show. Seriously, you guys need to see this. Not that it excuses the Supergirl TV show for any misdeeds, but perspective is very important. Uh, we could have had Wonder Woman. Although, having said that, if they'd done this to Wonder Woman, I would have been even more annoyed. This was written by David O'Dell. Who is David O'Dell? David Where O'Dell can I find him? also wrote the movie of Masters of the Universe. He also wrote The Dark Crystal. Uh, How? How does this man also write this film? We all have our off days, but come on! Well, there didn't really seem to be an awful lot of dialogue. Maybe they chopped it to pieces. Maybe his original script was very different. Anyway, the witch puts a spell on Guido. She gives him a a, 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 a love potion and says, you will fall in love with the first person you next you see. And then he sort of goes into a weird trance and for some reason... Oh, he falls asleep. This is the first time he passes out. Right, okay. So this is one, count them. Yeah, okay. So it's the thing that, like, as soon as he wakes up from his first time of being passed out... Yes, the first person he lays eyes on, he will fall in love with for, like, until... Oh, no, that's it. The part of the spell involves sealing a spider into a walnut, and as long as the spider remains in the walnut, he will stay in love with the person that he's fallen in love with. I'm not even kidding. You know what? I'm not going to decry that as, as bad, rubbish, stupid magic... I mean, it is, but it could, like, say if Guillermo del Toro handled this film, that exact same magic spell would be kind of cool. But why is it in a Supergirl movie? That's what I want to know. Um, because, anyway, she's this Lex Luthor with hair, basically, and she does magic. So anyway, Because red-headed women, of course, are villains. Okay, now you're just jumping to conclusions on this. Not that I'm defending it. It's wretched. So anyway, oh, come on, come on. Right, Celine is the name of the witch. She sends a digger to attack Guido. Who's oh, because he town. wakes up and wanders off. Yeah. And then I think he passes out again. Oh, no, 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 that's it. He's wandering around the town looking at lots of people, I might add. Yep. Lots of people that he could be falling in love with. That's but what no. me. No. So, yeah, and so she sends a JCB to... To kill him or to capture him? To herd him back to her house. It's really imprecise. It is. It causes absolute chaos. It does. People get run over. Cars get crushed. 
Um, Lucy attempts to save the day by getting into this driverless JCB and trying to turn it off the road, but something weird happens and she passes oh, out. Subconscious. Then Supergirl sort of saves the day, but in a really unimpressive way. And that's like the first time Supergirl's turned up in like the first hour apart from that flying section. So you're like, mm. oh, at least something's happening at long yeah. last. Ethan at this point has become trapped inside the bucket part of the JCB and has passed out again. Yeah. So then when he wakes up, he goes, oh, you're beautiful. And suddenly he goes from, oh, yeah, uh, you're a beautiful woman. We're all alone in this hotel, woman, to can't thee stop the beating of my heart. Suddenly he's Shakespearean. This roofie is pretty powerful stuff. And that's two. We're on pass out number two now. Then, then, some, like, he basically... <clears throat> Does he fall in love with Supergirl or does he fall in love with her as the schoolgirl? He falls in love with Linda because she turns back into Linda before she opens up the JCB bucket, gotcha. which she'd pulled off the JCB, leaving the JCB containing her unconscious friend to drive into a shop, I might add. There are better ways of stopping a JCB. There I really could are. stop a JCB better. She than could have just gone behind it and held on to it and stopped it from going forward any further. But She's anyway. super strong. She, she can is. crash rocks. But no, the most important thing at vision. this point is for her to save this man that she's never seen before. Okay, so Guido takes her to the fun Fair. It's an abandoned fun fair. Mm. Already, alarm bells are ringing. Mm. Um, and then he, he, they get on the tilt a whirl, and he's like, uh, "Yo, uh, uh, can't thou stop the beating of my heart?" Again, again. And she's like, "Oh no, I'm just a mm, well." Oh, wasn't there a bit in the middle where, like, Celine, the the sorceress, sends in electric god Zuki? That's later. I feel like it's before. No, it's later. I think. Hmm. Okay. It, it's it's the end of this sequence that starts with them on the waltzes together at the this right. deserted fun so fair where waltzer. Selena lives. And like, and she he's, he's he's basically sort of putting the moves on her. And she's like, oh, I'm just a girl. I couldn't really. And blah 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 blah. And she doesn't really take charge of the situation. Celine turns up, sends the tilt a whirl round at breakneck speed, which, by the way, would break Ethan's neck. Yes, it would. He is passes out again. He does, yeah. End of this, he gets spun around, 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 around. And when he comes back to the front, he's unconscious again. There's Three. some kind of action sequence which entails Supergirl ripping the... I say ripping. Again, it's it's this like shabby, early, cheap-ass action. There's a bit where the digger crushes a car, but you pointed out, Sharon, that the car already had it's flat tyres. It's got flat tyres. They, they clearly picked it up from the scrapyard that morning in order to from trash it. the knacker's yard, literally. Yeah. Um, and and so, yeah, she flies this like thing away with Ethan in it, and they're flying oh, over no, the it's sea. The, it's the bumper car. He ma- he wakes up briefly, stumbles over onto the bumper car track, yeah. um, and then uh, falls into a bumper car and passes out again. She yeah. comes along, picks it up, and carries the whole thing, like a, the, a the whole bumper car containing Ethan. Yeah. W- would it have been so difficult just to have him sling an arm around her neck? Would that have been so hard? But no, she flies him off to this deserted island somewhere. Um, he gets out of the bumper car. He wakes up for about two seconds. <laughs> and, then, and then a coconut falls on his head and knocks him out again. I'm not fucking joking. At this point, Sharon started screaming with laughter and she couldn't stop. Okay. And I took a photograph of her because like, this film had broken. This man has passed out five times in the space of half an hour. He's beyond a flag at this stage. He really is. 
He's a, he, he's a flag that it doesn't even do what a flag is supposed to do. <laughs> he can't stand up long enough to wave. And so she starts talking to Ethan for a bit. And then the witch goes, now nah, bollocks to this. And she transports him, beams him back to her house, where he is immediately tied up on the bed in chains. Yes. Spread eagled. Mm. After, after, by the way, Supergirl has revived him by delicately daubing his lips with coconut milk. Mm. I would like say... fucking bounty advert. Is this... Is this empowering to women? Uh, it wasn't empowering to me, personally. I can't speak for all women, of course. You said that it was an insult to teachers and witches. It's an insult to teachers, witches, journalists, students. Carnies. Um, <laughs> Godzuki. Electricity. <laughs> science. It's just... It's t- oh, oh, it's terrible. It's just... It's so bad. There isn't a single person in this that's even vaguely engaging interesting anything other than a one-dimensional paper cutout peter cook is befuddled as to why he's here he seems to be desperate to get out well i think they they, they cast people like peter cook and peter o'toole and mia farrow in an attempt to make it look vaguely legitimate what was the point of mia farrow being in there i don't know maybe she was bored but uh, every <laughs> Everybody else was. <sighs> anyway, um, so, I mean, let's just get to the end. Fuck it. She, so uh, she goes to get Guido back and then, like, gets sent to the Phantom Zone and mm. where she, of course, meets Peter O'Toole. And the Phantom Zone is basically like Stoke-on-Trent. It's this horrible, dark, miserable place uh, where it's really uh, impossible to live well. And Peter O'Toole seems to have lost his marbles. And he's talking about how his neighbours live over the hill um, who are like criminals, Kryptonian criminals. And I assume at this place, because, you know, unified cinematic universe, that uh, he probably was, um, you know, for a short while, his neighbours were uh, the the guys from um, Superman 2. But Sword maybe and Ursa yeah. and whatever the other guy's name is. I don't know um, what the time scale is really. But to be right, to be fair, this no, we can't use that phrase. Um, to its credit, this particular sequence is about the only semi-decent bit in the entire film. It's certainly the only bit that they attempt anything even approaching characterization. Well, it's the because- only bit that feels like a Joseph Conrad hero with a thousand faces. Like the hero gets to her his or indeed in this case her down point where Mm. she gets everything taken away from her and she meets the wise old sage who will help her out and he doesn't really have much in the way of wisdom but he does sort of teach her a little bit of self-respect and determination but it's it's kind of the other way around first because he's saying there's no point trying and we may as well just get drunk and die here and she's the one who's sort of this this light of hope and optimism he's getting drunk on mouthwash yeah something like that Um, (laughs) but but she's actually like you know you're still alive you're creating things that means you want to live you want to see earth so come on let's get up and move and and do this thing and get out of here so you know she she still has that in her it's later on when she's um reaches a low ebb again and sort of feels feels like she's reached the end of her physical strength and doesn't believe that she can overcome that um, low point and save the day that she has his voice in her head saying yes you can yes you can this is the point where you got that good shot where she stands up, there's light in front of her. Go into the light, Kara. And she goes in and then there's a big fight sort of thing. And she does the same way. She, she, she wins the same way as Superman did in the first film. She flies round and round and round the thing and then it wins. 
<laughs> That's basically what she does. She, she replies around and around and around the witch, who yes. goes... Who, by this point, has somehow managed to take over the entirety of the American Midwest by the looks of things. They gloss over that, don't they? Like she's, they she's, really do. They go, she goes to, a, like, a really small town, and, so, and, like, we see her, like, with people hanging around her, and it appears like she's said she's in charge, but we never got to see the confrontation. The cops don't seem to try to be stopping her or well, have does, tried to stop her. She does say later on, they're talking about how they're going to move on and take over the rest of the country, and um, her, her companion woman um whose whose role in all of this is is very vague throughout this whole thing yeah um, but she uh, she says you know we'll, we'll do what we did already we'll go for the cops first and then the army and uh, so i can only assume that she's using this love potion because she said something earlier on about um uh, love was stronger than anything else so she'd make everybody in the world fall in love with her and then they'd all do what she said and then that's she would be in charge love, that's obsession i know um but uh you never see any of this happen you just kind of have to assume that that's how it's all worked out there this film could comfortably drop half an hour to 40 minutes from it's the first two half hours and you feel every minute of those two you hours really do you really really do um but there's they could they could have scissored whole chunks out of it and actually spent some time characterising people but no because plot is happening and by plot I mean Supergirl flying around trying to find this fucking ball thing that saves the world this literal MacGuffin ball thing it seems like the, the, the witch doesn't even really know what it is or how powerful it is or blah 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 and I, I wouldn't even mind that if that remained her sole motivation throughout the whole thing but about a third of the way in she kind of abandons that in favour of chasing Ethan around and trying to save him from the witch there's I mean like if there was a scene where she was like I've got to get this orange ball back to my people or they're gonna die just something along those lines but she just seems to be going oh how's it going the whole time yeah, and then she has this whole sort of oh I've, I've had my first kiss and it's all transformed my world this girl is about 16 or 17. This is not right. Yeah. It's really uh, uncomfortable. Again, Guido's like putting the moves on her in, in this fun fair. She's in her school uniform at the time. The police walk by. He gets arrested. That doesn't happen, but it should have It doesn't done. happen, but it should have. I mean, he, I think he says at one point, and this this was totally incongruous. He asks her to marry him. And she hey, says something about, Yeah, and she's says something about her not being rich and he says oh that doesn't matter i'll support us both and she's like oh you're so crazy what how does she have a frame of reference for any of this she asked later on what a train is so she understands marriage and prenuptial agreements i believe peter cook explained marriage to her (laughs) it's a dream within a dream kind of like argo city which is this really creaky looking 80s kind of not even like they're not even trying to do krypton at this point i cannot express to you how cheap and shit the actual sets are like when this ball goes flying through the like the the window the protective shell it's like polythene it is polythene well no sorry it it is polythene (laughs) But they don't imply that it has properties anything other than that of polythene. Yeah, it's it's pretty polythene-y. Yes. Um, uh, I, th- I think it's just, 
it's got that kind of like totally logic of well now this is happening well now this is happening don't ask questions now this just is go happening. with it just go with it just go with it please thing. don't complain I, there's no pride in it there's no joy I mean that no, there seems to be no real joy in actually delivering Supergirl and like going, this is a significant, serious thing. Especially since, uh, chronologically speaking, the actual Supergirl in the comics was killed several years beforehand in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So her hitting the big screen was a big deal. And, you know, this is like the first proper female superhero movie. If you consider it went Superman, Superman 2, Superman 3, Supergirl... Superman 4, Batman. It just... This should never have been in the hands of the Salkins. I really think that. And as much as I love the uh, um, the, the, the score and Christopher Reeve of the original Superman, I actually think that a, a, a different director could have made a much better film, a better written film, and the Salkins needed to be nowhere near this franchise. They were they were poison to superheroes. I'll reiterate again, by the way, the original Superman film, despite the meddling of the Salkins, thanks to Richard Donner, thanks to Christopher Reeve, thanks to John Williams, was an extremely worthy first proper superhero film. I certainly may not like the second half all that much, but I can't deny its influence. Mm, can I? I do dispute the notion that uh, were it not for Superman, we would never have gotten more superhero films. Because if it hadn't happened in 1978, it would have happened in 1984 or 1987 or 1989. With all the effects and the sudden surge of interest in sci-fi fantasy that suddenly turned up on in the wake of Star Wars, there was going to be an attempt at doing a superhero comic book movie properly. Inevitably. If it hadn't been this, it would have been something else. But it is very fitting that it was Superman. The first real, true, recognisable and entirely abiding archetypal superhero. What happened as a result of Superman? Superman 2, Superman 3, Superman 4 and yes, Supergirl. And you could say, well, there'd have been no Batman without Superman. Um, no, it's the other way around. Uh, Batman's a lot easier to do. It's a lot cheaper than Superman. Technically, you can, you can do a convincing Batman for less money. Batman was always going to happen. Especially after The Dark Knight Returns came out. And The Killing Joke. And Arkham Asylum. And Death in the Family. That was going to happen. And what did we get as a result of Batman? Batman Returns. Batman Forever. Batman and Robin. If anything, Superman and then Batman kind of delayed the serious attempts at uh, turning a superhero movie into a sci-fi and vice versa. And when I say serious in this context, I don't mean necessarily a bleak tone. I'm not talking about The Dark Knight Rises here, which, by the way, is quite a silly movie. Um, I'm, I'm talking, I mean, Iron Man is a serious attempt at bringing a Marvel superhero to the screen. Spider-Man is. Avengers is. And these are fun, fun films. Serious does not mean miserable. It means you care about what you're putting on the screen. And by the same token, if your movie is really daft and silly and nothing really has any meaning to it, that doesn't necessarily correlate directly with fun. 
it was fun for us to watch and go, oh, are you watching? But it was not actually a fun film. It's Supergirl I'm talking about here. And the original Superman and the original Batman are legitimately good films. And if anything, they affected cinema more than they affected superhero movies. Just in terms of the notion of what a blockbuster could actually be and how much of a buzz it could create. And ultimately, they did what they could with the effects available at the time. But really, the superhero movie that made superhero movies really happen, and I mean really, was Spider-Man. If you want to hear a lot more of this kind of discussion regarding superheroes and the legacy of the most important superhero movies, we actually did an episode exactly on this subject. Uh, we had Bob Chipman, Movie Bob on, Paris Lilly from Remember When, and Joe Cunningham from the Cinematic Universe podcast. And we went through every significant superhero movie and asked ourselves these questions. Which ones really had an impact? Some of the answers surprised us while we were doing it. So yeah, go to the podcast feed, scroll down through all the movies, and it's right at the top of School of Everything Else. Anyway, um, so uh, she flies around and around, the day is saved, and then she flies off back to Argo City. I have to go now, my planet needs me. It's literally like that. And she's holding the MacGuffin, and then she flies into a lake, just a lake on Earth, and under the water, about 20 feet under the water, is Argo City. It's just there. Just there, under the water, no problem. Don't ask questions. Like, she doesn't even need this ship to get back there. She's just going to swim fly under a lake to the place within the space. Where her bed and TV is. Is. And there's the last shot of the film. I put it up on Twitter. It's astonishing. I don't know why it is. Whether it's a trick of the light, whether you couldn't see her holding the MacGuffin, whether they had to give her a false arm, but her arm is 17 feet long. <laughs> it bends down and then up again. And you'd sort of miss it if you weren't looking carefully, but if you were looking carefully, and we were, it looks like she's turned into Reed Richards. And she didn't go to the Phantom Zone, she went to the Negative Zone. Which, by the way, looks exactly like the same place that the Fantastic Four go in in this summer's Fantastic Four. It's all dingy and dark and stormy and horrible and miserable and you don't want to be there at all. The Fox Cinematic Universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, the film ends. That's it. It, 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 it is rubbish. It is absolute rubbish. All time work. Like, so bad. Is it worse than Catwoman? Yes. Yes, it is. Because at least Catwoman tried. It failed miserably, but at least it tried. Catwoman had a soundtrack. It had a story of sorts. Catwoman had Michael Bessie in Garbage Island. Indeed. Oh God, if you folks want to laugh, listen to We Hate Movies talking about Catwoman. It's just, it's a brilliant show. Um, okay, let's just finish on Supergirl because I want to eat tacos and I want to forget that this film exists. Anything more to say on it or her? Oh, no. No, other than, please, Superman, rewind time and make it so that this never occurred. And now I really, really, really want to see the Supergirl pilot. So do I. To, to wash this away. Oh, and one more plug before we go. Uh, listen to We Hate Movies this week. Even if you never listen to We Hate Movies, you should listen to We Hate Movies. They mentioned they were doing a movie with Peter O'Toole in it. It might be this one. Just saying. I hope it is, because I'd love to hear what they have to say about this. So until next week, I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. 
and school's out. doing this it's just the way we are <laughs>